Welcome to The Breadwinners, the podcast about the never-ending hustle and its impact on all aspects of our lives. We're interested in what it takes to keep everything going. This podcast is about women, working, money, and family, and in every episode, we consider the research and share our takes on what we're learning every day about breadwinning. I'm Jennifer Owens. I write about working, wellness, and women, and founded the Working Mother Research Institute. And on most days, I'm joined by my co-host, Raquel Ellison. On this episode of The Breadwitters, I'm joined by Bailey Gaddis, a certified birthing doula, hypnobirthing practitioner, and author of Ben Shui Mommy. And now she's also the author of the new book, Asking for a Pregnant Friend, 101 Answers to Questions Women Are Too Embarrassed to Ask About Pregnancy, Childbirth, and Motherhood. And we'll be tackling each one by one. So strap in. No, no, I'm I'm just kidding. (laughs) Welcome, Bailey. (laughs) Oh my gosh, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. I say right off the top that I had a wonderful doula that helped us with baby number one. And she was not only a help for me, but a help for my husband, because it was a first time for both of us. And it was so wonderful. Gosh, part advocate, part support, part encyclopedia. It was so great to have presence in the room with us. So so thank you. Thank you for what you do. (laughs) Well, thank you. Yeah, it's that that extra layer of support. One of the things I want to think about is the as a stat, we always love stats and numbers at the breadwinners, is that there's 4 million babies born every year in the U.S. It's always so funny that it's like, we should know all these questions. We should know all the answers. And yet, I think we all start from ground zero. We always start from zero when we're pregnant. Totally. Are moms any more informed than they were 17 years ago as I was not? In in a lot of ways, we are, right? You know, because there's so much information at our disposal. But we're also more overwhelmed because there's so much information at our disposal. Oh, yeah. You know, and it can be really difficult to find a reliable source. And my whole thing with this book is, you know, a lot of the questions I cover, you can find like either watered down information about the topic or you can find really judgmental information about the topics, like forums of women just just eviscerating, you know, somebody that asks a more vulnerable question, something needed to be done about that. But yeah, so yeah. Like, we have more information, but it's hard to determine if that information is good and if it's going to make our journey harder, actually, and filled with more fear. Um, so it's, it's in some yes. ways it's difficult. Yeah. Well, there was a friend of mine who was talking about that we have a negativity bias as humans, as animals, I don't know, as the human being. That 80% of great things kind of go through our head in one ear, out the other. And then the 20% we yeah. like latch onto. So, you know, you remember my experience when you're pregnant, all of a sudden this, those 20 percenter stories come out. Well, when I was pregnant, you know, it's like, oh, no, oh. no, I don't need to hear every scary story. <laughs> uh-huh. So true. And some of them weren't scary. You took it as a bet. I don't know. I just think that. We also like to tell those stories because they like our war stories. Yeah, like badges of honor. Yeah. My mom said to me, oh, yeah, they don't tell you any of this stuff until you get pregnant so that that you'll get pregnant. Right. You're you're already knocked up, so it's too late to back out now. Yeah, so it's too late now. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, I don't think people – and then there's all like the comprehensive stuff. And my feeling is because it – also with baby number two – you think, well, shouldn't I already know all this stuff? But every pregnancy seems different, at least my own earned experience. 
tell me if that's actually true. But a lot of stuff you don't find out, well, until someone tells you or until you have an experience where you're like, what is this? So it's like, what are some of the questions that people have about all that that phase from pregnancy to childbirth? Well, there's obviously a, a big range. You know, one of the things with pregnancy is I get, and your <laughs> readers might think this is gross, but one, one of the most popular topics I have is like vaginal discharge during pregnancy. People have so many questions about like, what does this color mean and that? And so I shockingly answer so many questions about that, about this thing called lightning crotch, which is the actual term for this phenomenon where it feels like your pelvic area is struck by lightning and it's caused, you know, by the baby pressing on nerves, your ligaments just stretching, all the different smells that come out of our body when we're pregnant, Um, hating our partner when we're pregnant. Obviously, you know, not every woman experiences that, but I get a ton of questions about that. Um, You know, one really common thing I get, you know, a question I get about the postpartum experience is women that feel aroused during breastfeeding and they feel so much shame around this. Mm -hmm. You know, it really messes with the head, you know, because women are doing something that is so maternal, right? And then they're having this feeling that they associate with intimate with their partner, with with their sexuality, and they just can't reconcile it. It was so fascinating writing this book because I also had to get really honest about like, okay, what were my questions that that made me blush, that made me feel shame? There was a lot. And and there's a lot of questions that we don't even realize that we have until we read about it. It's like, oh my God, I've totally been thinking that or, you know, feeling thing, but I just I didn't even want to acknowledge it because it brings up embarrassment. It brings up shame. So trying to dispel that. I'm gonna totally bring up my the one that surprised me. Uh-huh. That was during birth is that your bowels can release when you're pushing, which and th- literally all the nurses around me, the whole care around me at the hospital were like, uh huh, and moved on. And it's like, I'm in the middle of, you know, pushing and this and all the things going on. It's like, that would have been a nice heads up that, <laughs> you know, like all that pushing and all that stuff down there can make things happen and oh, it's okay. Yeah. And it happens all the time. Just would have been nice for a little heads up. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I know, for real. And I've seen it happen in almost every single birth that I've been at. And I'm always really used. Yeah, by the midwife or the doctor or the nurse. They just, they, they literally, they don't even blanch. It's like they just no. throw it away and they just move on. It's no, no big thing to them. And a lot of times the woman doesn't even know. You know, she, yes, I didn't really know. And yes, that's exactly right. And then when I realized, I was like, oh, I'm sorry about that. They're like, eh, you know, it's called, it's called birth. You know, it's all right. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I know they've seen much worse for sure. And then I went through birthing classes because, you know, you're totally nervous and you go through all this stuff. It's like, could you, it's told me two minutes, spend two minutes on what the experience might be beyond me sitting on the ball. No disrespect is bouncing on the ball, but come on. I'd like to know about the bowels. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the way I teach my classes has changed so much since becoming a doula and being at so many births and just seeing all of the different things that can happen. You know, I try to create a more, you know, yeah. a, a class, but a more realistic one. It's like, these are all the things that could happen and they're normal. So if they do happen to you, don't feel like you're, you're a freak or 
there's something wrong yeah. with you, you know, there's so many types of quote unquote normal in the birth experience. Yes. And yes. And a lot of the weird feelings of being pregnant and my feeling was I totally had the whole pregnancy thing down. And then you realize all those tropes about like the waddle and the <laughs> your feet spreading out. It's all that last mile to birth. Nope. You know, like, yep. You're like, oh. I don't know what all these women are complaining about. You're like, <laughs> I've got it. And then like, oh my God. <laughs> and then you get into the most glamorous phase of pregnancy. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> it's like surprise flatulence and yeah, yes, sweat and weird yes. and oh god, yeah, so glamorous, yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, so did did any of the answers? So you went off looking at the you know hearing all these questions and the like. Did any answers surprise you, or were you kind of like, yep, this all tracks? Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, the first one that that came to mind is it is one of the postpartum ones and it's that whole idea of you know when people ask like am i gonna like love both of my children equally and so oh, i really yeah. i looked into the research around that expecting to find like oh yes of course you you like and love both of your children equally all the time and the research has shown that pretty much all parents love both of their children in regards to like most parents do have a preference for one child or another. And, and then, of course, that shifts during the seasons of life, you know, as right. your precious, you know, four-year-old turns into a teenager or, you know, whatever. Yeah, but yeah. Um, it was <gasps> really interesting research about how That's shocking. That I love it. It's <laughs> shocking. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And that, you know, it's okay. And, and of course, yep. you know, in the book we go into, of course, you don't want to really, you don't want to tell the kids that, or you don't want to really have preferential treatment, you know, treating one better than the other, but to know that those feelings are so normal and it doesn't mean you're a monster or that you love one child less, you know, you just get along better with one during a certain time of life. You do worry about that though. I, oh, I yeah. worried a lot about that when baby number two was on their way, Yeah, that somehow they wouldn't take away from, you know, that whole like, it's a finite resource, your time. And it is, but that your love is only, and it's like, no, it stretches and it expands. And yeah, I have a different relationship with both kids. I can report from teen life. I have different relationships with both kids and that's what makes it so exciting. Yeah, And I'm glad they have each other, especially being stuck in an apartment in a right. pandemic and that it's like, I worried about taking away from baby number one with baby yeah. number two. Yeah. And to this day, and baby number one is 17, I will turn to my husband and say, best thing we ever did was like, get her a friend here. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Cause it's like, yeah, you're, some of your time might be pulled away from them, but yeah, they're gaining a sibling, which is for so many yeah. people, such an amazing relationship that they're going to have throughout their life. Yeah, you're giving them a new source of person to love and to get love from. You know, it's, yeah, it's beautiful. Did you find many people, did they worry about like the sex of the baby? Because I did. I, when I found out I was having a girl, I was like, <gasps> like, I don't, I grew up with boys. I don't know what that means. Yeah. And then my best friend said to me, what if she's like you? And I was like, oh, that's true. So, but I like weird fears that I like, oh no, what if I, I, what if it's this frilly thing that I don't know, you know? Yeah. Oh no. I mean, I had an absolute breakdown when I found out that my son was a boy because I was just, I was so sure I was having a girl and, you know, and I just felt like I know girls, like I know yeah. how to raise a girl. And it took me a couple of days to reconcile 
with that shift. And then of course I felt so guilty for <laughs> grateful. Um, and it's so common. You know, I get calls from tearful clients all the time. Like I thought I was going to have, you know, this, my whole life plan has been ruined. Oh, yes, I know. I know. And so that's definitely, that was an interesting question to cover in the book because I really got to break down like, okay, like what is going on there? Why do we have a, a preference number one? And then how do we work through that? And a big part of it is just realizing, you know, we're having a unique human being, you know, yes. just because it's a girl right. doesn't mean she's going to follow like those gender stereotypes. And, and really with a boy and a girl, it's like the only experiences that you're not going to be able to have, like say with a boy is helping him with his first period. Yeah, <laughs> no, you know what I mean. And then like, for there's no bruises for girls. Thank goodness, you know. Like, exactly. okay, exactly. You know, there's very few things that you're not going to be able to do with with one sex or another. But oh yeah, I felt that. And I'd like to report for the record that when pregnant with baby number two, and it was a boy. I literally said, no, now I had crossed over and like, I love this girl. Right. Like, I'm ready for girls. Bring on the girls. Totally. I know. I, know. I so just funny. never knew how to protect. I, I don't know what the terror, you know, like when a lady says, oh, you're carrying high and that's a something and low is something. Nope. I was wrong every single time. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> like it, there's a 50-50 chance either way. Just have no idea until we see the ultrasound or get the blood test. I mean, yep. it's just, yeah. I was wrong. Completely yeah. wrong. Oh, me too. <laughs> and everybody well, talks about the gut instincts. It's like, yeah. uh, I mean, nope. and they, they, they're great for a lot of things, but for selecting or predicting the sex, not so much. Oh, no. I'm <laughs> fundamentally wrong. Like in my core, deepest, you know, darkest part of my brain, completely yeah. wrong both times. Yep. Completely yep. wrong. <laughs> well, so what's happening with, I see lots of pregnant ladies in my neighborhood and I just wonder, what is this experience right now during the pandemic? Like, how are these ladies doing? Yeah, thankfully, it has gotten a lot better. You know, in the beginning, for at least the first couple of weeks of COVID, when everything was really intense, women were not allowed to have their partners with them during hospital births. So that was a very intense, you know, experience in the beginning. Um, and then thankfully, you know, in pretty much all states, the government said, I'm sorry, but you need to allow the partner to be the there. The partners are coming back in. Oh, yeah, that's good. That, that helped. Um, in a lot of areas, doulas are still not allowed in the hospitals um, or oh. anybody besides the partner. Um, you're only allowed to have one person. Certain places are starting to loosen up. Luckily, more and more midwives are um, seeing patients again. You know, for a while, they were not, do a lot of midwives are not doing home birth. That is opening up. One of the biggest bummers now as well, um, and, and again, I totally yeah. understand the purpose of masks and whatnot, but, but during birth, you know, such a big thing is breathing. And so that oh. is tricky for women during a hospital birth is, you know, needing to wear the mask and kind of struggling with. Wow. Deep breaths. Yeah. So it's um it's getting better, but there's certainly still still obstacles. And there's been the rise in uh virtual doulas. <laughs> so doulas what? doing like yeah, like zooming with women during their births, which obviously is not the same. But... Not ideal, but wow, that's great. Cause I tell you that my experience of having the doula was just to have that like I know you're of course, the medical team is there for you too, but there was somebody there directly for us who was helping advocate saying, 
and bringing that encyclopedia of knowledge and experience with them. Right. And it just, it was so, I, I mean, that part of it, I guess we could do, we could do everything through Zoom now. <laughs> God, I know, right? People are dating through Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> anything goes. Oh, yes, it's it's different. But I know a lot of women in the beginning for prenatal appointments, it's like they weren't even allowed to go inside the clinic, you know, the nurse or the doctor would come out to their car, you know, just in full like hazmat gear and measure their belly and do, you know, everything they needed to do. Wow. Of course, it's for the safety of everybody. But it's yeah. just such a different experience than you usually get. Pregnant women the past year have been through a lot. A lot. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, I had seen some data scientists that are predicting that there'll be a COVID baby bust. I guess, you know, people waiting out the pandemic to have a baby. But I, have you sensed that? Have you felt it in your own practice? No, you know, it's like I, I heard that as well. But my experience has actually been so different. Like two of my cousins just gave birth. I've had more clients than ever in the past year. And part of that is because now that people are really only doing Zoom childbirth prep classes, I have people from all over the country. I'm like, well, we, we can do it with her because we're doing Zoom anyways. But no, I mean, my experience has been so many people, at least in my circle of awareness, are having pregnant. <laughs> yes, yeah. I'm the opposite. Yeah. Just, you know, Lord help these lovely new babies come in and it's a tough time and Oh, my goodness. They're the sign of hope. It's seeing all the babies. I love them. I know. I love them. Fresh start. I know. All in their tiny little fur, little cover things walking through Brooklyn. I love it. It's just awesome. Oh, I bet that's so cute. With that cold, yeah. Cold weather clothes for babies are the best. (laughs) So do you get into like the relationship stuff, like stuff with the partner? Like, okay. What's the biggest question happening right now for the pregnant ladies that they're worried about? Yeah, in regards to, you know, relationship, two of the biggest things I hear is one, you know, women feeling just really, really irritable with their partner, you know, so much so that they, I mean, especially because we're all having so much togetherness right now, you know? (laughs) I guess that's what I'm asking. Yeah. yeah, What are they doing? (laughs) Yeah. Like it's not, not easy. And then of course these women, like they freak out. They're like, am I not meant to be with this person? And And, and every now and then, sure, it's a sign of, you know, actual issues in the relationship. But a lot of it is just that combination of hormones and just not having any break from one another because it's, um, it's become somewhat unnatural to spend so much time with our loved ones. <laughs> so that is a really big one. And then, you know, on the postpartum side, and this is something that's always an issue with a lot of relationships, is just the arguing over baby care. You know, it's like we all come into parenthood with so many preconceived notions that were based on our own childhood, you know, what yeah. our siblings or our parents did, you know, and then when we have our own child, a lot of times couples have kind of conflicting views, at least in some areas, and that can create, you know, a lot of stress. And then parents worry that their stress is stressing out the baby. (laughs) It's like this cycle. Um, So that is certainly something I tackle. And and, in all sorts of other relationships, you know, mainly between a woman and her partner, but also like I covered because I miscarried this uh, summer. And so, you know, that gave me so much more awareness of that, of that whole experience. And mm-hmm. so kind of covering how to navigate the relationship with loved ones that are facing fertility issues or 
had a miscarriage and now you have your beautiful baby, you know, and that kind of conflict. Um, so yeah, I really tried to cover all of the different types of, you know, tricky relational situations that you might come across during pregnancy, childbirth, and early motherhood. It really does. It's, I felt, it's like you feel really you're part of the body politic. You know, either people have opinions, just they have to feel that they have to say something. (laughs) Or the whole thing where they want to touch you. I don't know (laughs) if they do that as much in a pandemic, but, you know, they want to comment, they want to ask you, like, really, so what are you doing about childcare? What's the name? You know, really intimate questions that you wouldn't just ask like someone yeah. walking their dog or something, or maybe you would. I don't, I don't know how people are with dogs. I don't have one. But I think um, that all combined with the pandemic of like the, the fear that we've, and the stress and the togetherness and the, you know, never leaving and worrying. And then like worrying about risk factors, you know, like we're always making these equations in our head about, could we travel? Could, you know, what will the hospital look like? What will the, it's just, it's a lot to put on these, these poor new moms. And I love them all, man. I, you know, bring it on, bring on these new babies. And, and even without the pandemic, just remembering all the questions I had that I love the idea of of answering these questions because you just sit on these questions. Some of them you don't ask. And it's nice to kind of have your own private moment to read answers to them. So I I think that is really Yeah, really you don't great. have to put yourself out there as much and, you know, yeah. lock yourself into asking your doctor, your midwife or your mom, you know, you can just have that reliable answer and, and then decide if you want to share later, but yeah, to have that safe space to go. Yeah. To and not Google it. There is a totally. reason that we don't want to Google some of these things. Oh, I am sure. <laughs> absolutely. And, you know, and so much of writing this book, is getting information from, of course, you know, midwives and doctors, but also peer-reviewed studies, which are not easy or like most women are not wanting to go dig into peer-reviewed studies, right? You know, so it's like I did that work for them to find what the most recent studies are actually saying so they can get that reliable information without having to spend like hours and hours and hours reading mind numbing. (laughs) 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 I did that for you. I've done the work. Well, (laughs) I appreciate it. I think it's great. I think this is exactly what I could have used because you never realize you have the questions. It's nice to be prepared. Like even if you don't have the questions yet, it's nice to know, oh, that's a question I could ask. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Good to know. So exactly. Exactly. So thank you for gathering them. Thank you for finding the answers. (laughs) And uh, thank you for joining me on the breadwinners today. Oh, it was absolutely my pleasure. So much fun. Our guest today with Bailey Gaddis, and you will find links to her books in our episode description. Email us anytime at thebreadwinnerspod at gmail.com or visit us at thebreadwinnerspodcast.com. Please remember to subscribe and to rate and review us. It really helps us grow. And until next week, keep hustling. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.